0: Hello and welcome to the Growth Adventure Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Appel. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Ben Evans, who is the founder and chief growth and strategy officer for Marathon Health. Ben, welcome. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. No, likewise, look forward to uh, seeing where the conversation goes. So before we dive into it, for our listeners who might not be familiar with Marathon or might better know the predecessor organization, Our Health, could you give a brief background on yourself as well as the organization?
1: Yeah, happy to. So Marathon Health is here to fix a broken healthcare system. We provide on-site, near-site, and virtual primary care health centers with the mission of helping patients get better access to care, get healthier and happier, and ultimately save money for themselves and their employers. My background is I founded one of the two businesses that is Marathon Health today with a friend of mine based uh, here in Indianapolis. Uh, That business is called Our Health, and I started that company 10 years ago, and I guess it's 11 years ago, now that I think about it. And I've had a lot of fun. Grew it from from
0: nothing. We'll, we're about two hundred million in revenue today, and uh, and having a lot of fun even through COVID. We'll definitely get to that in a little bit. But I, I want to start with what you and and Dr. Jeff Wells created. I guess eleven year years ago now. Healthcare, to put it mildly, is probably one of the most complicated delivery systems in the world. And what made the two of you think, you know what, we can tackle this?
1: Yeah. So I I started working on this in. 2006, 2007, I was getting an opportunity to see how the healthcare system works through a large integrated health system here in Indianapolis and seeing can't how little time or effort there was focused on the patient, their experience, what information you give them, how they make decisions, the quality of the providers are getting and then ultimately that patient isn't paying for it. Somebody else is. And it's it, it was not transparent at all. At the same time, those that were paying for it, the large employers were just screaming from the treetops that the health systems and the insurance companies saying, hey, help me. Like my costs are asking, this is unsustainable. And so those employers started cost shifting back to employees, trying to introduce consumerism, help, help them give, get them tools to better navigate the healthcare system, but nothing was working. So we felt the most powerful thing you could give a patient was an independent primary care physician and then a team that helped that physician navigate the patient through their wellness experience and also where they go beyond primary care, why they should go there and how much it costs. You know, really smart people struggle to navigate healthcare. I struggled to navigate healthcare and I started a company in this space. I still struggle today. So if I struggle with it, those who don't think about it all day long are certainly challenged with it.
0: Yeah. You know, obviously you and Jeff are friends and I think both of us probably have a number of MDs in our broader circle and probably to a person, unless they happen to be in a hospital administration role, most of them struggle as well, unless it's in their area of specialty. It's frankly amazing obviously it was a big challenge had either you or jeff launched an entrepreneurial venture before you founded our health no neither one of us had we
1: were both more so me than jeff but i was in a i was in a position where i was 28 years old i just got married we were dual income no kids we both of our parents gave us the opportunity not to have college debt which if you talk about let's let's, the b- next biggest problem in our country is college debt. We didn't have college debt. We owned our cars. My mortgage was $800 a month. So there was no better time than to if, kind of, now, when? Yeah, jump off a cliff and try to build an airplane on the way down. We, the funny story goes that my wife was having a bad day at work and I had a bad day at work too. And I, that was the day I said, all right, I'm going to go try this. I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go do it. I got home. My wife was like, I hate my job. I want to quit. I was like, you can't because I'm going to quit mine. <laughs> and I knew what I wanted to do. I I got to go do it. And my wife has been super supportive of it. But I had to go raise some money. And so that Jeff, who was my co-founder, he had kids. He had college debt. He's a physician. He got his MBA and MD at the same time, had a boatload of college debt and was in a different situation. So we had to go raise money so we could make sure that we could pay him and ultimately at some point pay me. So we went out and raised money. And it was, we had one investor who, well, a key criteria of raising money for me was raising money from someone I didn't know. And not because I wanted someone who didn't feel obligated or do it just because they knew me or liked me. And a gentleman, a local guy here in town who I met through a, through a, a, a mutual friend who I spent a lot of time with, he's like, you know what, I, I like this business. I like this space and I'll bet on it. And that, that felt really good. We were able to go actually start a business. And that guy was, wouldn't have been able to start the business without. That's actually
0: some pretty amazing insight from you at the time to say, I can raise money from friends and family. But yeah. if I can raise money from somebody who's not in that circle, I've got something here.
1: Yeah, all day long. I I I grew up very lucky, right? Like I mean, I could go find it was three hundred thousand dollars we raised, and he gave us one hundred eighty thousand dollars in equity and one hundred twenty thousand dollars in debt, which I don't know why. Like it was, he gave us a debt deal that was equity risk, but he did it because he he, he liked us.
0: So launching into it now, you've got a company, now you're growing a company. And neither you nor Jeff have had experience running something. Obviously, Jeff has a background. Well, he has an MBA. I mean, his background is medicine, right? In those early years, what was the biggest lesson learned from a leadership or operating standpoint that you learned maybe even the hard way?
1: Yeah, the hardest part really is letting go in little in little amounts as you go. So like when we started the business, there's two of us. So like head of IT, head of sales, head of finance, head of, head of HR, everything. And you start trying to figure out as you start hiring people, who do you want to hire? And you're basically hiring Swiss Army Knives. You're not hiring specialists. And when you hire Swiss army knives that are interested in, in coming in an organization, that's a hard sell. Like so you're trying to convince someone to join you and they're like, well, how big's the business? Well, we had, we had $300,000 in revenue. Okay, I've got a family, this doesn't sound right. And some of those folks rally around that. The hardest part was the lesson that we learned. We didn't do a good enough job of making sure that, the, that we were being transparent enough in the fact that we, just because we're hiring you for something today, I can't guarantee you that's what you're going to be doing in three months, hmm. and some people aren't comfortable with that. Some people want to understand: okay, you hired me to do this job. I want to know I'm doing in three months, and six months, and three years. And that's just not the reality. Like yeah. the world changes too fast, and when startup mode, you gotta you, you got to be able to pivot quickly. And some people aren't built for that. But then as you grow, you do have to start specializing. And some of those people that love. Every month, things changing and being involved in everything like, hang on, now I got to focus. I don't like that. I like what I was doing a year ago. Mm. So you go through these waves of growth that don't always fit the folks that you recruit and vice versa.
0: And I'm going to come back to that on the personal side here in a little bit. But so you said, obviously, it started you and Jeff. Now, how many employees does the new Marathon Health have today? We have about 1,200. That has to be one of the largest private employers in the state of Vermont outside of resorts and healthcare and high ed.
1: Yeah, it, it is. Now we're in 40 states. We've got a headquarters in Vermont. We've got a headquarters in Indianapolis, about 80 people at both of those locations. So in the state of Vermont, we have, we'll call it, you know, s- s- Six or seven or 8% of our employees are in, in that state. Same as India. India is a little bit higher because we've got more health centers in Indiana. Probably 150 employees or so in Indiana.
0: But yeah, it's big. So I, as you went through the due diligence process leading up to the integration with Marathon, presumably you got to know you know, the Vermont-based team better. You got to just supposing here that you probably didn't know the state of Vermont that well, but in doing my research you know, for this, it struck me that Vermont probably has a lot of similarities with Indiana and in that we're both overshadowed by larger neighbors, but presumably we both have pretty strong entrepreneurial communities within it. I guess, what's something that surprised you as you got to know Vermont and the Marathon team better?
1: Yeah, first of all, the two businesses that we merged together, we merged together with a private equity firm called General Atlantic. And General Atlantic had spent a lot of time on diligence in our space. And we got to know those guys in 2018. And it took over a year before we actually did a deal with them. We got to know them pretty well. and They're fantastic guys. General Atlantic is a $50 billion growth equity fund that plays offense. Like we wanted to play offense. And as we got to know those guys, they they were asking us about our space and our competitors and who we liked. And we just raved about Marathon and had fantastic reputation, their customers love them, and the leadership team there was, from what we knew of those that we knew, we really liked. Well, General Atlantic being the really smart private equity guys that they are, at that time, they went and called marathon the next day. They didn't tell us, but they went and called marathon the next day. <laughs> and they bought the business. It was owned by a gentleman named Rich Tarrant, and Rich is a serial entrepreneur, uh, started um, a company called IDX that went public, a, a multi-billion dollar company valuation. And as a big employer, he's like, Hey, my biggest problem is providing care for my employees. So he started Marathon Health and brought in a gentleman named Jerry Ford to run it for him. And Jerry built a really amazing business and a really amazing culture. So when General Atlantic came back and said, Hey, we bought Marathon. We think these are the two best businesses in the space. We want to bring them together. We were really interested in it. So Jeff and I had a small, and we'd gotten to know General Atlantic in 2018 because we recognized we had built something that was unique and different. But it wasn't like smart people with capital couldn't duplicate it all day long. And up to that point, we had raised almost $30 million, but none of it through private equity, none of it through structures, all through private individuals and debt. And if you want to talk about being you know, scared of being an entrepreneur or have $15 million of debt personally guaranteed, like <laughs> my wife, when I was explaining this to my wife, she's like, so what do you mean by personal guarantee? I'm like, well, they come and take everything. And then we still owe them a lot of money. <laughs> so, at least you know. didn't soft step that one. No. and But we recognized that it needed like real smart money. And we wanted someone who was going to play offense. And the General Atlantic guys are the best in the country. You look at the, whether it's One Oncology, you look at Oak Street Health, they are the best. Mm-hmm. So when we had the opportunity to work with them and combine with Marathon Health, it was exciting. Now, from a cultural perspective, it was a little bit like speed dating because we, it was, this is 2019. We, we signed a term sheet in November. we we signed a binding agreement, December 23rd. In that period, we had to get to know each other really well. And during that period, you realize, Hey, these cultures are very similar. There are a lot of similar similarities between Indiana and Vermont, low ego states, very welcoming, but we're also, those are the two HQs. We've got health centers across the country, but what you were always also recognize, no matter how much we all thought we were so similar, when you get to January and it's time to start really figuring out what you're going to be as a combined organization, there's a lot of differences. And so building that at the end of the day, it's culture is about people. And it's about how you work with each other, how you give uh, people the latitude to fail, and you don't, you know, cut each other out from underneath one another when something goes wrong. The challenge we had was we we kicked in, we ran into integration in January. We closed the deal in January. We ran into integration in February, so I had these big meetings, all of us together in February. COVID hit in March, and now we're doing it all virtual. It's really hard to build. Uh, Three-dimensional relationships in a two-dimensional vehicle. Yeah. And I think you've probably experienced this with your company too, where you build up, you build relationships and you build up political capital with each other because you're gonna have to spend it every once in a while. Every once in a while you're gonna make you're gonna piss someone off. You're gonna do something they don't like. Every once in a while you're gonna miss communications, that there's nothing behind it. But if you've got that political capital, you build up that political capital, you can spend some of it. You can't build it up through Zoom. And people hate Zoom. And by the way, people are half engaged in Zoom anyway.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think Zoom or any platform works when you have, to your point, that depth of a relationship you can draw on. But even with that, it only works for so long. You know, we're fortunate that we can work in a hybrid fashion. We're able to get people in safely. But yeah, you definitely see at a certain point, no matter how strong that relationship was going into it, it starts eroding. And the moment you see somebody turn their camera off, it's done.
1: It's Yeah. And what we were doing was we were taking the best, we had two amazing organizations, and we were taking the best of both of them. And there are certain parts of both of them that, that folks of the legacy organizations were attached to and loved, but they were losing on both sides. So mm-hmm. people like, well, hang on. No, we just did this. This is, this is how we've done it. And this is on both sides of our business where you've got, you say, hey, look, we're taking the best of both. And sometimes the best is neither. Like you're building something new. Yeah. Um, so that's the hard. That's the really
0: hard part. And it, it, it does seem, though, that if, if you want to look at the silver lining, that the lessons that you learn from integrating two similar but distinct cultures is probably going to serve you well as you continue into a hyper growth mode going forward and to be able to integrate new people into what is the new Marathon Health.
1: hundred percent. We are operating as the new Marathon Health. We have some, and we call We don't call ourselves employees, we call ourselves ambassadors. We've got some ambassadors that are from a legacy Our Health, a legacy Marathon, but we've got a lot that are neither, that are new, that are just New Marathon. And that's the place we all should live. That's the space we should all live. We all sometimes default to how we used to think or used to do things, myself included. So that's the hard part. But through all that, through an integration, through COVID, We had our um, biggest sales year and growth year ever. We retained nearly all of our customers. And that's because healthcare didn't stop for everybody else just because COVID was going on. And it allowed us to show off our value proposition in a way we've never had the opportunity to do. Yeah.
0: And you've touched on it a couple of times. You definitely personally have a very growth-focused mindset. So I'd, I'd be curious that you got great private equity backers. You love the legacy Marathon people. You felt like this was... This was where you needed to go to continue the vision that you and Jeff originally had and all that's great. That's all like in line, but there has to be a little bit of the personal side where, you know, the Ben Evans, I used to do this, or this was my thing and you still have a lot of voice and influence and impact, but it's no longer just your thing, right? So how. How was that personally as you continued to make that evolution
1: I was I I guess employee number one of our health I was the CEO of the business through the through the merger Jeff served as the president we really co led the business together Jeff, is stepping in as the CEO, has stepped in as the CEO of the new Marathon Health, and he's the right guy to do it. What I love doing is I love thinking about the business two years out, three years out. I love the growth component of it. That's fun. Details are not my thing. And I'm lucky because details are Jeff's thing. So we work well together. The, if I've done anything right, is every single person, starting with Jeff, Every single person that I've tried to recruit to this business and been able to recruit is smarter and better than I am. And it allows me to go do the things that that I love doing. You know, a lot of people thought when they read that that Jeff and I sold the business. We didn't sell the business. We, We rolled into a new business. I've been having a lot of fun. I'm glad we did it. And it's been fun to be able to think about things on a totally different level, like at a totally different scale. And the uh, general Atlantic has been a a huge advantage for us.
0: As a first time entrepreneur, I tip my cap to you for having that foresight to always hire people who are better than you are at certain things. So again, at the Growth Adventure Podcast, we believe in total transparency and we are a customer of Marathon Health. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this was intentional or accidental, but I think one of your value propositions, as told to me by my colleagues, are it's time. In time, that's the one thing that we can't get back, and in healthcare, time is money, right? But what you deliver, what your care teams deliver to individuals is time, that they are giving of their time. When you show up to your appointment, they'll spend 45 minutes an hour sitting down with you and having a direct primary care conversation about test results or or a number of different things. And I've heard some variation from our colleagues of, man, I haven't spoken to a doctor that long since I was seven years old. And again, I don't know if that was intentional or that was accidental, but that has to have been a big selling point for you as you've continued to grow.
1: Absolutely. The the best thing a provider can do for a patient is spend that extra five minutes with them. Countless stories of that extra five minutes identified a major underlying health condition, like life-threatening. and In a longer podcast, I'll tell you the story about one of my best friends, this company saved their life. And it was that extra five minutes that he spent in the provider. And it was his employer, an employer like yours, who paid their employees 200 bucks to get their physical. And the, you'd be amazed. And $200 is a lot of money. Like, some, not all of our customers do that. This is a smart guy, healthy guy. And he makes a lot of money for 200 bucks. I'll give you my physical. I haven't got a physical in five years. Like, literally, saved his life. I mean, this is a guy who had ultimately went through chemo, had cancer. He's if you ask everybody in my company who the healthiest person in this company is, they point to that guy, and he's walking around with a cancer patient. We had almost 100% of their employees get a physical that year, which is unheard of. So that extra five minutes, the ROI on it's just through the roof. That The guy who owns that company, who I know, said, uh, I said, okay, help me understand the, the value of this to you, the ROI. He goes, incalculable, doesn't matter. Don't need don't need an actuary, it's right in front of our face.
0: Yeah. No, I mean that it's uh it's gotta be cool to be able to get those testimonials. One other question before we get to the lightning round, and you've always been a big proponent of technology, right? Not just in your personal life, but technology was built into the back backbone of the original our health experience. So with what you learned in 2020, with remote delivery, digital delivery, you pivoted your business probably in ways that when you said earlier, you like looking two to five years out, you probably were able to integrate some of those things in real time. Knowing what you learned in 2020, where do you see the use of technology going now in primary care medicine?
1: Yeah, so COVID has accelerated a consumer's willingness and interest in engaging with their healthcare provider through a technology device it's accelerated five to 10 years. Now, how much of that is durable is to be seen. I think we'll see, it'll settle back in the middle ground, but it has pulled it way forward. But what I think the most obvious thing that's happened at the end of 2020, you saw at the beginning of 2020, the Teladocs and the Lavon and the doctors on demand were all like rocket ships. Really quickly, people have, fi- employers and patients have figured out, that's great, it's convenient but there's no ROI. I mean, there really isn't a really measurable way to to validate that you actually need an in-person experience to have a tangible ROI. If you think about the future, the the best way, in my opinion, to think about it, there's going to be an omni-channel approach to care. And we're going to, some of us are going to engage in part of our care, whether it's 10% or 90% through a device, some of us aren't. We've got mm-hmm. clients who are manufacturers. We've got clients in parts of the country with employees that don't have you know great access to technology. Municipalities. We've also got tech companies, fintech, mm-hmm. health tech, who their employees are like don't don't email me, text me. I don't care about HIPAA. It's annoying. So there's not one size fits all, but it's pulled it forward massively, and I think yeah. that people will want more information at their fingertips quicker. And it's gonna take time though. It's going to take it's for this to actually start working because there's lots of behind the scenes stuff that has to happen
0: with health plans and the carrier. Yeah. But yeah, the genie's out of the bottle, though. It's not going to get put back in. That's 100%. Better. Moving on to the lightning round here before we wrap up. So uh, there are no wrong answers, only long answers. So uh, I, Yeah, what is on the radio in, in Ben Evans's car?
1: Podcasts. I'm big on Dan Levitard's show, and I've been listening to this
0: Smartless podcast. It was pretty darn good. All right. And, what book would we find on your bedside table or on your e-reader? So right here, Founder's Mentality.
1: If you're going to, if you're interested in growth and, and building a
0: business, read that because predictable crises happen all day long. Cats or dogs? Dogs. All right. And, uh, last question, this is more of a serious one. What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given?
1: Always over hire. And low ego wins all all day long, always over hire. And don't fret about when you're starting a business. I went through, I raised everything from that $300,000 at the beginning to $5 million of equity to $15 million of debt. Like I've done every dip to a nine figure private equity deal with one of the biggest private equity firms in the world. People fret over little things, a little too much. In those, at the end
0: of the day, if you got if the core fundamentals are good, you're 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 going to be fine. Thank you. Well, uh, Ben Evans, uh, founder and chief growth and strategy officer for Marathon Health. Thank you very much for joining uh, the Growth Adventure. Hey, Andrew. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me.